Welcome to Second Wind. This is a podcast, as you all may know, and if this is your first time, then welcome. But I want you to recognize the importance of finding the courage to be inspired through this podcast to take the vision that you have and empower you to take your second wind. Now, through my guest, and I have wonderful guests that are, have taken their own journeys and have faced with courage and inspiration and the empowerment to move into their second wind. So welcome. You are going to love this guest today because she's talking about a subject that we all experience, and that is death. And it sometimes takes us into strange places. So let me tell you about my guest. Um, Emily Thoreau Threat is the author of Loving and Living Your Way Through Grief, a comprehensive guide to reclaiming and cultivating joy and carrying on in the face of loss. Now, Emily grew up in Porterville, California, and earned her master's degree in English with a concentration in writing. She taught writing at the university level for 39 years. I'm in awe of that figure, <laughs> Emily, in awe of it. She currently lives in Maui, Hawaii. Do you have a guest room? <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> good, good, good. But having gone through the experience of two husbands dying, as well as the death of her family members and other family and friends, Emily has experienced something that we have not, or we may have, but there is always this um, experience of loss that I think throws many of us into unknown territory. So Emily is going to shed some light on that today. I'm really excited about doing this podcast. So welcome, Emily. Thank you. I'm very happy to be here. And it was only 30 years, not 39 years that I taught. <laughs> oh, well, you just got nine years back. <laughs> yeah, that's exciting. I'll take that. <laughs> yes. That's quite a few. Now, I, you know, how, why did you decide to write this book? Because um, we all experience death and yet there's this kind of pushback. I don't want to talk about death. So you must have found out something through the many grieve, periods of grieving that you experienced, just what you needed to know. I started young when I was only uh, 13 years old, actually, in oh. dealing with things related to death because my father purchased an ambulance company and we traded our house for it. So oh. mom and dad and I had to move on to the company property in, in a small house. And back in those days, you didn't have dispatchers. So we did all the dispatching either from the office, if it was daytime in, in our backyard or from our bedside at, mm -hmm. at night. And if mom and dad would be out on a call, I had to go over and be in their bed so I could be close to the phone to dispatch ambulances from there. And at that time, you only had to be 14 years old and have an advanced a first aid card in order to go on ambulance calls. And since my dad was the first aid teacher, mm -hmm. I uh, was prepared <laughs> by my 14th birthday and went on my first call when I was 14 years old to a head-on collision 
high speed out in the country with two families and multiple fatalities. Oh, no. Yeah. So that brought me face to face with the fragility of life. Mm -hmm. And I really started paying attention to that at that point uh, a lot more than I think I would have under any other circumstances. Yeah. So I've, I've had that. I've, I've worked as a nurse. I've had um, most of my family, many friends, my mom, dad, sister, and my two husbands die. Mm -hmm. And because I'm a writer, I've dealt with it by writing. Yeah. And I, was, I wasn't writing for anybody else. I was just writing for me, exploring my feelings, exploring what I needed to do next, exploring... Um, what would help me feel better as I was writing. And I kept discovering things in the process. And I thought, this really works so well for me. I want to share it. Mm-hmm. So I had only been on Maui for two years at that point and didn't know that many people yet. And I didn't know anybody who'd had somebody who was dealing with loss that I knew of. Yes. So I just um, formed a meetup group and <laughs> put on there, if you want to learn how to write through your grief, uh, come on over to my house. And they did. People oh, came and yeah. it was great. It, it was a perfect size group. There were all kinds of different loss. It wasn't, I thought it might be just widows, but it wasn't. It was lots of different kinds of loss. Mm-hmm. And they liked what we did so much in the group that, that we were meeting once a month. They said, could we please meet every other week? We really want to see each other more often and do this. Oh, nice community. So yeah. it, yeah, it worked really well till the pandemic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I was really surprised very early on. I, this was shared with me that we, we sometimes think loss is only around death, the separation mm-hmm. of death. But actually, we suffer a lot of losses, not with different intensities, for sure. Mm-hmm. But simple things like moving or a child leaving the house or those are losses. And we we don't, I think, take those on as um, serious. Uh, um, well, we need to go through the grieving process, even with those. Mm-hmm. Because things change. So I was so surprised the first time somebody shared that with me and I went, well, that makes sense, <laughs> you know? So are the, is that the type of groups that, that collected for you all different signed or were they, who were the people? What was This group? particular group was mostly related to death, but I've, yeah. I've certainly worked with and helped people with all different kinds of loss because you're right. Everybody suffers loss. And when you don't deal with it, it stays there and it just kind of gets bigger and bigger in your brain and your heart and it makes it harder and harder to deal with. But if you deal with it as you're going along, then you can keep things in balance. It's not that you're trying to get over grief. It's that you're trying to uh, work with it so that you can move forward with the rest of your life while you're still have whatever brought you that grief. Like, for instance, my husbands, I will always love them. I didn't stop mm. loving them because they died. Yeah. And they'll, they'll always be in my heart. And, and that's a good, positive, healthy grief. Yes. And I think when people hear the word grief, uh, as with death, they have a real negative idea of it. And grief mm-hmm. really is a positive thing if you look at it that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, 
my first experience with death, I think, is as a child. And we kind of get a bad rap from that start, from that point on. And I think it takes a while in, in your wonderful book, which I do want to talk about how you wrote it and set it up. But it sort of sheds a new light on it mm-hmm. that, you know, I'm not the little girl that's watching everybody cry at the you know, I, I was in the panhandle of Texas. So of course I, I'm visualizing this flat land and meeting at the funeral, you know, out there at the graveside. And it's so different from that. It can be much more than that, much more of a healing process. So I, I kind of think that's where a lot of people start with death mm-hmm. as a small child experiencing, looking on. Yeah, it it was for me for sure. I had uh, I only had three grandparents. My uh, father's mom had died when he was very young, so I just had three grandparents, and they all died by the time I was um, thirteen. Actually, my oh. grandmother died the week that we moved into the house at the ambulance company. Oh. So that was <laughs> pretty traumatic because I, yeah. I had spent a, a lot of time with her, but. Each, each one of those experiences was like a beginning of opening the door for me to that there's that life isn't uh, always going to stay the same. Right. That it, it doesn't matter how much you love your grandparent, for instance, that's not going to keep them here forever. Right. Yeah. So I, most of us do do that. And, and interestingly, often children are sheltered from what's going on. They, the parents think they, they can't handle that. They can't deal with it. Oh. And so they'll, they'll uh, get a babysitter for them for the funeral or they won't oh, let them true. see them cry. They wouldn't, won't let them, uh, they won't show their emotions in front of their child because they're afraid their child can't handle it. Mm. And what they're not realizing is their child can't handle being shut out from whatever this obviously very important thing is that's going on and that they aren't a part of. Yeah. Maybe it's the parent that can't handle the explanations Yeah, talking the way through that, you know, yes. or their child seeing them cry. Yes. And, you know, things like that. Um, I know through my transition that I went, as I share with you in preparing for this interview that I lost two people um, at the first of the year, which is only about six months ago. Um, And I was so surprised at the pain that came out of that so close. And I think it came off of the pandemic of living alone and all of it hitting at one time, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, But somebody, like if I had known you then, would have said, let's write. And Mm -hmm. so I did start writing. So explain to me and the listeners, why is writing so beneficial for us when we go through grief? Well, there's, there's a couple things. One of the things is when you don't write things down and you just think about them, Mm -hmm. they keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger inside your head and it kind of bounce around and it's like there all the time. It gets in the way of your other thoughts. It gets away in it gets in the way of other activities you might want to do because it's, it's so much, you know, right, right there in front of you. It's what you see first, where when you start writing about it and writing things out, it kind of is transferring it to the paper. And so it's there if you need it, you know, if you want to go back and read it, but oftentimes people don't, it's just the process. And you might have to write 
the same thing, like the same experience several different times. And each time you write it, it'll get a little bit shorter to the point you, you go, you, okay, I can take a deep breath now. And I have room for other things in, in my heart and in my mind now. Uh-huh. Yeah. So would they experience a more intense emotion writing or does that give them the freedom from expressing that emotion? Both. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, some, some people are just really shocked when they write something and go, wow, it feels so good to get that out. And other yes. people, uh, it brings tears. And, and at our groups, when they've been there, uh, the people have cried. And uh-huh. in the group, we're all there to support them because we all can relate to what's going on. And one person at at the group cried like every time, but each time she cried, she was not crying as much until she got to the point where she wasn't crying about it anymore. She could just talk about it with us in in the group because we'd always talk about what we wrote. And frequently, most frequently, the people would want to read what they wrote to share with their group. And that Uh kind of surprised me when I first started doing it. I said, now, this is just for you. You don't have to share it with anybody. You don't have to look at it again. You don't have to read it aloud. But when we finish, if you want to read it aloud, you can. Mm. And once one person read it aloud, everybody wanted to read it aloud because they realized that when you, you read it aloud to a group like that, that the group is going to respond to you and they're going to support you. Right. And they're, you're going to, they'll say like, oh, wow, that's the way it happened to me. And you go, oh, I'm not alone in this. Mm. Yeah. So the, the different things that the people say can be so beneficial to everybody else in the group. Right. And I think that's really important. Is there a benefit in reading it so that the author could hear it back? Sometimes it becomes more real when you actually read it out loud yeah. than, than it is when you just write it. Right. But when you read it out loud, it just kind of puts it in perspective. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I have really enjoyed my journey. I never thought I could write, but I just really have enjoyed it. So I encourage you listeners out there to, no matter what you're dealing with, it could be something you're really angry about. You sit down with that piece of paper and write. It's amazing the freedom that you get. Now, when you decided to write your book, how, first off, why did you want to write this book? Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I've been doing all these things up to this point. And uh, we we moved to Hawaii about, uh, to Maui, two years before my husband passed, because this is where he wanted to be. He had lived here before I ever knew him. And he always wanted to go back. And we'd gone back like for our honeymoon and for visits, but he really wanted to go back and live there because it's so beautiful and so peaceful and so full of love here that it was where he wanted to be. And I understood that. So we just kind of sold stuff and (laughs) moved to Hawaii. Yeah. And and it was great. And then uh, when we were on the mainland, we had a family that were really good friends of ours. And the, the guy in particular was very close to Ron. Um, he was, they were a lot younger than we were. And he mm-hmm. would call Ron dad. Yeah. So they, they were that, that close. Yeah. He, Ron helped him a lot with what he was doing in his business. And they, they just were very good friends. And 
I think it was about seven months later, uh, he just dropped dead suddenly. Mm. And I was so concerned for his wife Mm -hmm. because I thought she had no idea this was coming. She has no idea what she needs to think about, what she needs to do, what's important, what's not important. And I knew from my experience of having husbands die that she wouldn't be wanting to talk on the phone or if she, if I did call her, she wouldn't be hearing what I said. Yeah. I knew since I'm in Hawaii, if I wrote her a letter, it may or may not ever, you know, it takes a while for the mail. I, I no. yesterday found out that I've had something in the mail by tracking over a month now and it hasn't arrived yet. Oh my So goodness. I didn't want to put it in the mail. Mm-hmm. So I wrote out a big long letter to her in an email and I knew she wouldn't be on her computer. So I emailed it to a mutual friend of ours that lived close to her and said, please print this out and take it to her now. And my friend did. And uh, a while later, the, this, the wife of the person mm-hmm. who died called me and she said, I just want to thank you for that letter. She said, nobody else talked to me about things like that. I, I had no idea of what was important for me to consider and what I didn't need to worry about. And I, it just meant the world to me. And she had two teenage daughters. And she said that when she recognized that they were at a point where they needed to hear what was in the letter, she read it out loud to each of them individually. Oh. And that was really powerful to me. I thought I, I, my instinct was correct in writing that letter at that time and doing that. So I thought, but I got to do more because this this isn't just, you know, the, we'll have the funeral and it's done. Yeah. So and considering what I wanted to do, I decided I would write her every week for a year. Oh. And I thought, I, what am I going to write about for a whole year? You know? <laughs> yeah. But I thought there are different things that come up, especially during that first year. Mm-hmm. And. Uh, since I live here on Maui, I'm always taking pictures with my phone and I've got mm-hmm. beautiful Maui pictures. So I made these cards that each had a different Maui picture on the front. And I knew she loved Maui because they'd, they'd been to visit us a couple of mm-hmm. times already. And I then I thought, no, okay, I've got the cards. What am I going to put in them? So I thought, I'm just going to see if I can make a list of what I want to include. Well, instead of making a list, once I started doing that, I wrote out what I would put on each one of those cards for 52 cards. And I did that in about a 24 hour period, because once it started flowing, it just came (laughs) out. It was ready. (laughs) Yeah. So I did that. I started sending them to her and I had told somebody else what I was doing. And she goes, oh, I have a dear friend that is dealing with the death of her husband right now. Mm -hmm. Would it be possible for you to make me a set of those cards? Uh, okay <laughs> i was doing them on my computer and it took a while you had to oh. print both sides individually you had to oh. cut them in half you had to fold them and put them in the envelope and you know all that and but i said yes mm-hmm. and as i was going through that process i was uh, at my desk and i thought i'll just put a podcast on to listen to while i'm doing this yes so i did and it turned out to be an interview with a woman who'd written a book there was a really cool book. It was called Money, Manifestation, and Miracles. And I thought, oh, this is really cool. And <laughs> by the time I, I finished, I felt like I really related to her. And by the, the end of the podcast, I thought, I'm going to order her book. So I went to her mm-hmm. webpage, and the order was down at the bottom of the page. And I got down to the bottom of the page, and there was this note that said, also, I'm a book agent. So if you have an idea for a book, let me know. 
Yeah. Okay. And I thought, oh, I've got a chapter, I've got a uh, outline already written. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so right on that, that moment, I sent her uh, an email and she responded to me like right away. She must have been sitting right by her desk. <laughs> and she said, I absolutely love the idea of what you want to write about. Yes. And so she became my agent. We worked together and, and the book was published, uh, traditionally published by Mango Publishing in January. Awesome. Yeah. So, and it's got, uh, it started out having 52 chapters. Yes. Uh, at the end of each chapter, there's a practice that you can do. Most of them are writing, but there are other things too that you uh -huh. can do to help you deal with your grief. So it's not just mm -hmm. reading a memoir or reading my story. I've got examples from a lot of other people I've known who've been dealing with loss and who talked to me for the book. And, mm -hmm. and then I've got these practices. And when I signed the contract with the um, publishing company, yes. uh, they asked me how many words were in the book. And I told them because I, I was already written by that point. Mm -hmm. And we signed the contract with that number of words. Mm -hmm. And then after the, the contract was signed, the book was assigned to an editor at the company. And she contacted me. She goes, well, this is going to have to be drastically cut because it's way too long for a book of this kind. And either my people can cut it for you or you can cut it. Which one do you want? And I said, wait a minute. <laughs> it's my baby. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I took a couple of days to think about it. And I thought, you know, there's, there's 52 chapters in it. Uh -huh. So why don't I divide that in half? Cause I, I did the numbers and realized that 26 chapters the word count was the word count that they wanted for a book. Oh, so I contacted okay. them and I said, okay, since we already have a contract for this number of words, yes, I want to publish that number of words, but we can do it in two separate volumes. And oh. so this is the first 26 chapters. And then my next book that will be coming out will have a second 26 chapters. Oh, so there's, there's a whole lot in there that can really help people. So, is there an so it's not fully a year it only takes them through six months well it's not that it, it, they have to do it in a certain period of time okay. that was just right. what i had in mind because of, of the weeks and i wanted to be providing comfort to my friend for the first right. year and that's where the 52 came up yes but the the chapters are on they're they're like self-contained they're each on on a different subject that relates yeah. to grief and if you wanted to, you could look at the table of contents and go, oh, that's what I need to read today. Oh, yeah. So you can jump around mm -hmm. and, oh. and do which, whichever well, you need to do. Well, explain what a chapter is, because I, I ordered three books, by the way. <laughs> oh, wow. Good. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> because I have two people that are going through grief right now, just lost their mate, their partners. And um, so I printed off because I wanted to see what it was your Mm -hmm. how you kind of handled each chapter but um you talk about in one of them i don't even know which chapter it is but it's about practicing writing yourself a letter mm -hmm. tell that's what chapter is <laughs> does it uh, matter i don't know the number off matter. the top of my head <laughs> Well, what's the importance of writing yourself a letter? The, the importance of writing yourself a letter, and it, it doesn't actually have to be to you. It can be to somebody else, too. Um, but you're able to, it, as we were talking about earlier, you get, get it out of your head. 
you, you get uh -huh. whatever it is you're thinking out. Uh -huh. And the, the practice that my group likes to do, their favorite one, we'll come back to it over and over because I'm always trying to have a, a new topic and a new thing to write on. They, they go, yeah. okay, we'll write about that. But then can we write the letter? <laughs> <laughs> so, and what the, what the letter is, is uh, and what they like is I encourage them to write their loved one, uh, yes. whoever it was who's, who yes. passed. Yes. And it, usually the first time it's to a certain person, then the next time I'll go, well, what about my mom or what about my sister or, or whoever mm -hmm. else it is? But they write the letter telling them anything that they want to tell them, anything left unfinished, everything they wish they would have said, anything about what they're doing now that they know their loved one would have liked to have known, mm -hmm. uh, the, the progress they're making, anything like that. You write the whole letter and mm -hmm. then sign it just like you would a letter. Mm -hmm. And when you finish that, when you're done with writing that letter, you start another letter, a second letter. And that letter is from the person you wrote to back to you. Oh. And you don't think about it. You don't think about it at all. You just start writing whatever it is that comes into your mind. You don't stop writing until the letter's done. That's part of it is that, that it needs to just continually flow and not, not think about it. And for both as, letters or for the response letter? For both of them, actually. Okay. To okay. just let it flow mm -hmm. and when they get to the end of it and they they sign it however they do with with love from that person they're astonished at what comes out oh it makes me nervous it makes me almost cry <laughs> <laughs> listen if Frequently, i'm in your group tears. i'll be crying yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh oh that's wonderful i've never heard that it works. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful experience. I actually have a, a notebook that I, I write letters to Ron in particular because he, he, he really uh, inspired me in doing this, this kind of work. Uh -huh. And I'll write him a letter on his birthday or on my birthday or on our anniversary or on Thanksgiving, how grateful I am for having him in my life, whatever it is. And mm -hmm. so I feel like I'm continually having a conversation with him. Yes. And, yeah. and it just is very supportive. It just feels really good. I love that, Emily. I'm going to be doing that. Good. <laughs> Most curious to, to get my letter. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. So, but you also have like tips at the end of mm -hmm. each, each chapter, I guess. Mm -hmm. right? Yeah, it's at the end of each chapter. And protect uh, this one, and I don't know the order, but the tips, see, I did print it off. Um, the tips are like, this one is take care of your precious self, uh, discover your gratitude, and establish your practice of dealing with your feelings by writing. Mm -hmm. So that must have been probably letter, that was probably and Probably the letter writing, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, in researching, there I listened to another broadcast that you did. It was very interesting. But in this broadcast, you talked about something that I think people feel very uncomfortable about when they're talking about depth. And I loved what I learned from your conversation is that how does one express to the the family that's grieving, how do they go in and talk to them? I mean, 
I, I struggle with that. And I walked away with a great lesson yesterday. So uh, share with that, you know, in, when my, it was one of the deaths that I had was my ex-husband. And one of the questions that I kept hearing from people, and I think it was really just, they were trying to say something caring and loving and supportive to me. And they would ask like questions that I kind of thought were self-explanatory, but it was sort of like, well, how are the children? Well, it was their father that died. Of course they were suffering. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you kind of just want to just want to say, well, they're sad. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> duh. Yeah. And so you gave such great suggestions. Would you share some of those with, with sure. my audience? That's, that's one of my favorite things to talk about, actually. Oh, I just loved it. Yeah. Because what, what happens is people are so uncomfortable, generally with death, yes. that they don't want to really talk about it. Yes. They do want to acknowledge it and then get back to whatever else it was they were doing or wanted to talk about. So yes. they, the trend nowadays is to say, I'm sorry for your loss. Yes. Well, I, I can tell you if I got to the point where if I heard one more person say that, I was going to tell them exactly what I thought of them saying that to me <laughs> because <laughs> it's like, have a nice day or how are you? You know, nobody wants an answer to those questions. Right. They, it's yeah. just uh, a formality, uh, you know, something uh, uh, that people think they're supposed to say. Yes. They mm-hmm. think they're supposed to acknowledge. You can't talk to somebody who just lost somebody dear to them without saying something. And so they say that and move right on. Well, what that does to the person that they're speaking to is that person starts going, oh yeah, my loss. And Uh, whatever the the person talking to him says next, they're probably not gonna hear because it took him right back to that place. Yeah. yeah. So it's it's so much better to say to someone um, something positive and to recognize the person who died. Mm when Jacques died, Jacques, my first husband that died, was uh, a beautiful singer and a, a mm. fun actor. He, he did mm. a lot of that. He actually was a philosophy professor at the, the college, but in his spare time, he loved to do that. And he'd he done it since he was gig. in college. Yeah. <laughs> he, he just really, really liked to do that. Yeah. So when somebody would, would uh, talk to me, they'd go, oh, you know, I'm going to miss Jacques. I so love to hear him sing. Or I so love to watch him perform he made me laugh so many times boy that felt so much better you know it it put me in a happy place instead of sinking back into that lost place right so when when you can say something very personalized Mm -hmm. not something you'd just say to everybody you talk to Mm -hmm. but I remember somebody saying something to me about my parents I I don't remember it was my mom or my dad or or both of them when they were talking to me about it but they said you know what your parents were married for so many years they actually were married 53 years said your parents were married for so many years and whenever I saw them walking together they always held hands and I just thought that was the most beautiful thing that, that it was just an example of love and love lasts and, and yeah. how wonderful it is. Well, boy, that made me feel really yeah. good, you know, as opposed to, yeah. uh, you know, something trite. Yes. And yeah. other things that people say are just, 
Uh, like when when somebody has a, a young child or infant die, it's somebody oh. is always going to say to them, "Well, you're young; you can have another child, or you can have another baby." Oh no! They say that all the time. That's one they of the do? major complaints <gasps> I get when people are talking about <sighs> dealing with the death of a child. Is somebody will yeah. say that to them, or yeah. if you're young and your husband dies, mm-hmm. they're always saying, "Well, you're young; you can get married again." Like it's oh, no wow. big deal. So what if he's gone? <laughs> you know? Yeah. And people oh. say that kind of thing all the time. And I know they're not saying it to be hurtful. No. They, they, they truly are not saying it to be hurtful. But if they really thought about it, about how they'd feel if somebody said something like that to them when they were in those circumstances, mm-hmm. they'd realize that wasn't the best thing for them to say. Right. Yeah. Well, I, I really do think it just amplifies when we have to talk to somebody about death it just amplifies how uncomfortable we are. We just don't know what to say. Mm-hmm. And we end up stepping on our toes, you know, really bad. Yeah. <laughs> so well, I loved your comments. Yeah. The, the thing to consider when you're in that situation is to allow whatever it is that you say come from your heart uh, instead of coming from your head and what you think you should say. Yeah. it come from your heart where you're expressing love in one way or another. And uh, personalize whatever it is that you say. Yeah. Well, I've, I've, when I take this book, your, one of your books to my friend, I didn't really say anything. And I, I practiced what I was saying to her. <laughs> I'm positive about her husband. So anyway, I, I just can't thank you enough. It was just wonderful to have you share that. And I know sharing it with my audience is just fabulous. Because they, I, they all would want to take part and make that part of their process in supporting somebody through the grief. Yes. Um, I look forward to book two. <laughs> so, <Good. laughs> yes, I am. Now, you also recommended that the time for giving this book to somebody, a book like this to somebody, is not maybe on your first call or visit, Mm -hmm. but in a timely manner, another time, delaying Mm -hmm. it. So why is that? Well, as I said, when I was talking about why I wrote the book, that I knew my friend was not in a place where she could receive anything at that point. Yes. That's why it was just a letter, which isn't that long and something that she could set aside until she was ready to open it up. Mm -hmm. So with, with the book, um, if you want to give it to them right away, it's okay. And just, you might even put a little note on this. This is here for you when you're ready for it so that they don't think that they need to open it up. Right. uh, Right at that moment. But I, I suggest kind of uh, staying in touch with your friend and see how they're feeling. Yeah. Because both times with my husband's for the first about month, it was like an out-of-body experience Mm -hmm. you know it was like I was watching me just survive watching me sleep on the couch or watching me watch a mindless movie that I couldn't tell you what the name of it was or what it was about when it was over Mm -hmm. Uh, because it it was just something to have have noise there Mm -hmm. and I just wasn't in a place to be very receptive but each person deals with that sort of thing differently. And when you sense that the person is not uh, as 
kind of withdrawn or is is beginning to come out of what seems to me like a fog when you see they're starting to come out that's a really yeah. good time to give it to them mm. but you can give it to them six months a year later if you see that they're really having a hard time dealing with it because people yeah. think you know I, I can't tell you how many people say something like on on the first anniversary of a, a death somebody will say well aren't you over that yet oh yes and oh, employers yes. will say that after a two-day bereavement leave, you know, oh, didn't, no. didn't you deal with that? Aren't you over that? Yeah, and they, right. they do all the time. A lot of yeah. people change jobs after somebody dies just because of the way that they're received when they go back to the workplace. Right. So just stay in touch with your friend. Yeah. And when you sense that uh, it might be a good time to give it to them, give it to them mm-hmm. and say something about it. Like, I, I really like how this book is positive and deals with everything with love. Mm-hmm. And I know you'll feel better as you read through it. And there are things in, in here that you can actually do that'll make you feel better. So mm-hmm. when, when you give it like that, instead of just to wrap a present and drop it off, um, <laughs> then, then it will be more accessible to them yeah. and they're more likely to pick it up. And even if you yeah. say something like, it's not the kind of book you have to sit down and read cover to cover, just read what suits you at that moment and right. that will help you. Yeah, yeah. Um, when a, this happens a lot also, particularly when somebody's experiencing a long decline, um, and I think grieving is so personal. It is unique to everybody that goes through it. Absolutely. Um, I, when I experienced mine, the, I was in such a panic. I could not stay in this house another night. And, and I was like, I had to get out of town. But I ran to, to a loving community that I have. Uh, in Santa Fe, New Mexico, I know my my great friend is there, and I mean, I I only share that to say I think it's really important that you find what supports you. I had the the awareness to know it wasn't here. I had to get on a plane and go there, but it was the best decision I had made for myself. So I only share that to say i think grief is our own story how Absolutely. we go through it how we how long we stay in it uh just whatever it takes for us to uh, get comfortable with it that's kind of my take on that i i agree with you completely and that's that's one of the reasons i think that writing when you're grieving is such a good thing to do mm-hmm. because well i i read so many grief books and mm-hmm. So, so many of them were just uh, a very sad memoir sort of yes. story that, that mm-hmm. wasn't particularly helpful, but it was very helpful to the person who wrote it. Yes. And mm-hmm. that, that person, I'm sure, got a whole lot out of it. Mm-hmm. And the, the more you can um, get out what you, you need to about you, because you can, you can read these other things, and some of them were fascinating, but they didn't relate to me (laughs) or what I experienced or or anything like I was going through. Uh, So I'm not saying the books are are bad or that you shouldn't read them. Mm -hmm. It, it, they're just not likely to 
have the the key to your happiness mm -hmm. in them mm -hmm. where when when you write your own story about what you dealt with it, mm -hmm. it really helps and mm -hmm. I'll, I'll give you an example of a story like that okay. uh, Jacques we, we were married for 22 years and right around our fifth anniversary he was having something going on that I wasn't sure what it was, but I knew he wasn't well and he wasn't, he didn't know what it was and that he couldn't really express it. Mm -hmm. And we had a, a dear friend who was a doctor who convinced him to go to the hospital <laughs> and he ended up with uh, seven bypasses oh. uh, three days later. I didn't know oh they could do seven. I didn't know there was seven to do. Yeah. <laughs> one, one doctor, I said, well, they must've been bypassing capillaries. <laughs> But they, they said that, that he, he was in such bad shape that they were just shocked that, that he was uh, alive and that, that yeah. one of the, the blockages was called the widow maker. So mm -hmm. it was very important that we got, got him in right when we got him in. Yeah. But I was so shocked by the experience. I was not ready for that experience. I didn't anticipate mm -hmm. that experience. And it was, oh, yeah. it was huge. All the different steps and the things that happened to me in the experience. I yeah. could write a book from when I realized something was going on to a week later after the surgery was over. There was that much stuff about what was going yeah. on. And the yeah. poor people who asked me what was happening <laughs> would get that practically book length uh, version of what happened. Yet the more people who asked me, the shorter the story got. Yes. And it got shorter and shorter until I finally got to the point where I said, well, he had to have bypass surgery and he's doing so much better now. I'm glad, grateful we got him <laughs> in in time. Yes. Right. And I, I realized I didn't have to tell somebody else all that stuff, but it was important yeah. for me to tell it for myself. Yes. So if, if you write down your whole process, then that's, that's going to change things for you. Mm -hmm. it, it can open your heart. It can open your eyes. It can open your world. And mm -hmm. I highly recommend it. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, you, you can't make a mistake when you're grieving. Mm -mm. No, no way. Mm -mm. I mean, you just, I mean, some may look at you and think you're crazy, but no matter, I mean, that's part of your journey. And I think yeah. self-acceptance is just mm -hmm. so important. A lot you know? of times we're so, so used to having a way to do things that we think that we've, we've got to do it right. Mm -hmm. And many, many years ago, Elizabeth Kubler-Ross wrote a book uh, on death and dying. Mm -hmm. And that book was about death and dying. Mm -hmm. And it had in there five stages. Mm -hmm. Somehow people took those five stages and thought those were the five stages of grief. Mm -hmm. They don't make sense for grief at all. Really? Yet for years, people thought that they were supposed to go in the order that she wrote them. She had to experience, you had to experience one thing before you experience the next thing. Yes. And then the, the final thing was always acceptance. And then you were done. Yeah, right. <laughs> and Although people like the idea of having something to grab onto, some directions, it's not a one-size-fits-all thing. No. And that's what I like so much about my book is you, you take from it what you need, you use what serves you, uh -huh. and you may think of other things to do by doing those things, and you can go off that direction, and that's fine. Whatever you want to do for you is what you should do.
Yeah. Well, I'm anxious to get my books and start <laughs> sharing them. Now, you have a wonderful, uh, you shared that with me yesterday, a wonderful uh, process that you do. People can go to your website and your website is lovingandlivingyourwaythroughgrief.com. And yes. my email is the same. It's Emily at lovingandlivingyourwaythroughgrief.com. So just remember the name of the book and you can get me or get my website. Yes. Well, I went to your website and there's so many things on there that you offer. So would you like to tell us a little bit about those things that you do offer so they don't know what you do offer? <laughs> Well, there's lots of different things. Like I, I love to, to speak like to organizations or to meetings. I did that yeah. last week and it was so beautiful. I spoke to a foundation that supports people who are dealing with breast cancer or are breast cancer yes. survivors yes. and talking to them about their, their grief process for their breast mm. was amazing. Because in general, none of them have thought about doing something like that before. That's so true, Emily. So yes. there's, there's so many different things that, that I can talk about. And I love to talk and, and you know, take them through a, a, a writing process while I'm, I'm doing the speaking. Yes. I, I love to do that. So I'm available yeah. for speaking all the time. Yeah. I have a weekly blog that I send out that is, it's positive, mm -hmm. uh, but it's not <laughs> Pollyanna, you know, <laughs> it's realistic of um, whatever it is I want to share with you that week. Yeah. And it, uh, it comes out once a week. It's not that long, but if you go to my webpage and just enter your, your email, you'll be able to get that every yeah. week. Uh, and, and it also, when I send it out, announces anything that's coming up. Like if <clears throat> there's a workshop they want to take, or if I've read something else that I, I think they'd enjoy or, yeah. Uh, there's a link to getting my book. There's all, all that kind of thing. So that's something else I do. I also on Saturday mornings, I'll be doing that after we have our talk here. Uh, I do a writing together through grief on zoom. That is mm -hmm. just kind of a, um, it's a free thing that I'm doing just kind of as an introduction to me and an introduction to this kind of writing. And right. we write about different things every week some people have come like every week from the beginning and other people come once or come twice or drop in and out as is their move to do and and it's fine so you never know who's going to be there it's generally a small group which is really nice because mm -hmm. we take the time it's only an hour but we can write something and then read it read it to each other if we want to and then talk about it and generally I have a couple things for them to write about and it fills up an hour and generally they go away with a smile <laughs> yeah <laughs> so if somebody yeah. wants that you can just uh, email me and my email i said is emily at loving and living your way through grief.com and say i, I want to go to your uh zoom writing class yeah. and yeah, i'll awesome. send you the invitation to it mm -hmm. so and there's lots of things i, I just love think, to help. yes i encourage you listeners out there to go to her website because there's a lot that she offers and uh, there's, uh, I even want to take advantage of that weekly writing to see how that goes. Um, I do think this is an area that we can shed light on uh, personally. We mm -hmm. can grow so much and be of so much benefit to the people in our community when they are facing death yes. or the loss. And so anyway, it's a wonderful thing that you do, Emily, um, because 
because you shed so much grace on it mm-hmm. and fulfillment. It's just really much needed in our mm-hmm. community life. And particularly since we all experienced death. And yes. of course, our past two years have been rather traumatic. Mm-hmm. So, you know, everybody is needing this type of support. So um, I thank you so much for stepping into your book <laughs> and stepping onto my stage. <laughs> my podcast has been wonderful to be able to share this with my audience. Um, I thank you very much for being oh, part Yes. You're very welcome. And I appreciate the opportunity to do this because I just I'd love to talk to people and hope that they're gonna find some joy in the process. Yeah, yeah. Well, you got an A plus today. Yay! <laughs> Yay! Teacher, teacher, from one teacher to another. Uh, <laughs> so anyway, thank you so much, Emily, for being here with me on today's podcast. Now, to you listeners out there. I really want you to take the time to think about how you would approach a situation of a loss because it's coming. Somebody will, you will walk up to somebody and they will need your words of encouragement. You can get support through Emily's book and that is sold on internationally on the website, go to Amazon. It's everywhere. So I really encourage you to take the time to get the book, to experience it, and maybe even do some of the writing for yourself. I think you'll find peace in uh, talking to loved ones that you've lost and um, helping you grow as well. So I, I am so excited to be able to bring people such as Emily, to you. This is what Second Wind was created for. And I thank you so much for being here today. It's been a joy to share this. Thank Thank you. you. Bye.